And welcome to A Year of Crass, a compilation of some of the best bits from the first season of the Crass podcast. An idea, perhaps, for fledgling or flagging YouTube channels who want to keep things alive. Why not do a compilation of all of your funniest poo moments or something like that? Anyway, I'm George Walsh. I'm Paul Austin. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so listeners, basically, this is just some of the best bits of our first season of Crass. Picked by me, um, yeah. So I hope you enjoy it. It's kind of this kind of this is this kind of show is in a, it's it's part of a long tradition of uh, compiling the best bits uh, of a show into a special yeah. uh, episode uh, for easy consumption. And I suppose it was kind of it was really it was useful back in the day when you couldn't uh, listen to anything you wanted on demand. Mm. Um, but obviously now you can listen to every episode of Crass whenever you want, whiz through them. So to be honest, listeners, it's kind of redundant. Yeah, there's no um, need for this, but we're no, doing it anyway. Not. No, fuck it. Extra way to put out a bit of content, sort of repackage it, recycle it. Pad, um, I mean, pad I mean, up I mean, iTunes. I mean, it's not like making any money out of this, so no, we might so as well. This isn't. It's a real waste get... of time. Yeah. <sighs> but... Let's get things started. And, Paul, I remember you were very uh, excited to hear me, uh, well, rank the very different actors who played James Bond on screen. So, going back to episode 007 from the Lazenby special, it's my Bond rankings. By the way, listeners, we won't be doing this for all the links. We're not going to be introducing all of them. This is just... uh, That's where it'll... That'll be it, then. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, because they might then expect us to cut in introducing all of them. But we're no, not, no, I'm just saying but... we're, not, we're not doing that, listeners. No. We can't be bothered. No, so we're just doing an intro and an outro. So. Yeah, so we'll be back at the end, so look forward to that. Yeah. Well, you can just scrub to the end if you want, if you don't want to listen to all the don't old shit again. Don't say that. Let so, them we'll listen. Stop. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> Here we go. D- 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 Bond rankings. Go! So, yeah, it's episode 007. There is going to be a little bit of a James Bond thing. It won't be too long, I promise. This is uh, the James Bond actors ranked by their success rates. So this is not my opinion. This is science, this. Uh, It is your opinion. Based on my opinion, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, And also it conflicts with how I feel about this, really. But... Here we go. Timothy Dalton is at the bottom. Hang on, can I stop you there? Can I stop you there? Yes. Are you going to put some music under this? Like the James Bond theme? Well, I don't want to get sued by, you know, Adele or Monty Yazoo. Norman. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I might... I'm, I, yeah. so I could do, I could do some music no, under no, 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 no. Because if you do that, I can't remove it later. If I put some in later, it'll be fine. So basically what I've done is I've given them a percentage based on how many of their films I like. Right? I see. So right at the bottom, and this is not fair, I don't think, Timothy Dalton, 50%. He only did two Bond films, Living Daylights, which is extraordinary, and Licence to Kill, which I'm not keen on. But 
I do need to rewatch it. It's been about six years since I saw it. So it could go up to 100%. Who knows? Second last, Roger Moore. He's just my favourite Bond, but he's second last. 72%. We've got Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig on the same position with 75%. Sean Connery, 84%. Number one, the best James Bond, according to the scientific success rate ranking, is George Lazenby. The Australian... Yeah, but he only did one. Yeah, but it's great. It's, the, it's arguably the best one if it weren't for Goldfinger. That I mean, is such... surely this shows the problem with your whole ranking system. Well, it is flawed, is that the yeah. more you do, the more the law of averages more likely to be crap. Nothing to do with your performance or anything. Yeah, these aren't based so on performance. you end up on the list. Yeah, well, the more you do, because Roger Moore did seven and he's Yeah, okay, don't, don't sidestep the issue with, the, with wordplay. <laughs> the whole... This system doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, I don't give a rat's todger about James Bond. Right. But I'm annoyed about this ranking system. <laughs> well, why does it annoy you so much? I don't know. It's I just, don't even, I it's don't just know based why. on it's opinion. It's scaring me. On a Majesty's Secret Service is the second best James Bond film. Lazenby, therefore, has only ever made good Bond films. 100%. Yeah, and one. He made one. It is a, a, a belter. One, what was the film that came directly after On Her Majesty's Secret Service? Diamonds Are Forever. Is that one any good? Yeah. What Sean, if he'd been in that one? Sean Connery's go problem, straight down though, 50%, isn't it? percent he'd, be he'd be at the bottom of the list with Timothy Dalton. Yeah, Dalton doesn't deserve bottom, I'll be honest. Exactly. See, but your system doesn't work. It's Well, that's your opinion, isn't it? But this is science. It's enough of that. Anyway, I'm not going to debate it with you any longer. Because you obviously you, you don't have any patience for the system, do you? So no, I don't. No, I flipping well don't. Is that it? Is that James that's Bond? That's it. That's over? the only James Bond bit which you've prolonged. Right? Do you want to know why I don't like Nicholas Lindhurst? Come do you on. want to really know why? Yes, because I don't understand. Well, then we're going to have to read a chapter from my autobiography. Paul Austin, Life Lessons from an Expert. Chapter 67, Meeting Lindhurst. It is well known amongst my social circle that I cannot stand the semi-famous actor Nicholas Lindhurst. I've never given a reason for the animosity because I was saving it for this book. Since this is my book, Kill Reading, stroke listening to it in an audiobook format, I might as well tell the story now. So here we go, I'm telling it. It was a cold winter night in 2007 when I first met Lindhurst. But to tell that tale, some backstory must be given. So I give it, now. In the late 80s, my mum was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Decades later, she would frequently gather myself and my siblings around the gas fire to tell the story of the time she saved Phil Oakey from choking on a particularly large lamb shank. And in return, him and his band, The Human League, wrote a song about her. She was a truly fantastic waitress. The fact that she gave this job up when I was born to become a door-to-door -door saleswoman is a real loss to the industry. Seriously, I can't emphasise enough how good she was at being a waitress. Flash forward to February 2007. Timber Diaz had split, Britney Spears was proper mental, and my mum was invited to a garden party hosted by Phil Oakey of the Human League. Originally, she wasn't going to attend because she had three children, one of whom was myself. Then Phil called her directly. He said that it was vitally important that she come to the party because he would be very, very sad if she didn't. My mum sympathised, but all three of her children still breastfed and it was impossible for her to leave them for any amount of time at all. In the end, Phil managed to convince her they would probably be fine. However, 
She did bring one, myself. This was because I was her favourite, and also because I screamed and yelled until blood vessels in my eyes burst and I vomited into a radiator. As soon as we pulled up to Phil Oakey's semi-detached, I knew this was the life for me. Gravel drives, a wooden front door, windows, not to mention the incredible celebrity party raging inside. Still in my mother's arms, I looked around the room in complete awe. There was Leo Sayer, shouting about the fact he'd read the final Harry Potter book, which he claimed was called Harry Potter and His Massive Leg. In a corner by the buffet was Dave Benson Phillips, having an animated conversation with... <laughs> having an animated conversation with Nick Park, who did Wallace and Gromit. Next to them, Anthony Kotanoff Corey was stuffing his face with cocktail sausages, while a nearby Jim Davidson shook his head, pure hatred in his eyes. A small stage had been set up for karaoke, and Nick Ross was singing a drunken version of Snooker Loopy by Chaz and Dave, <laughs> while Andrew Marr clapped happily <laughs> along. This was the life, I distinctly remember thinking. I was rubbing elbows with the greats, and hot damn, these elbows suited me. Then I saw him, looking cool as a cucumber. There, <laughs> there, smoking a pipe, was Nicholas Lindhurst. My heart skip, skip, skipped a beat. At the time, I was a huge fan of Lindhurst's sitcom After You've Gone, the first season of which had finished airing only the previous week. I'd also seen every episode of Only Fools and Horses, which I thought were reek good. I decided I would go over to Lindhurst and profess my enthusiasm for his new sitcom venture. So I climbed out of my mum's arms and made my way over to the pretend Cockney. From the moment he saw me, I knew Lindhurst was really pissed off. There could be any number of reasons he took an instant dislike to my physical appearance. It could have been my extremely pudgy face and relatively tiny eyeballs. Perhaps he hated the fact that I wore tracksuit bottoms with a kilt. Maybe he just hates whites. All I know is that for some reason, Lindhurst instantly despised me. Therefore, I was provoked. All right, Rodney, I said in an affectionate tone. Lindhurst's upper lip curled unpleasantly, and he made one sharp nod to the ceiling. I said, all right, Rodney, I repeated, desperately trying to make a connection between myself and the actor. I, I heard you. It's Nicholas, he said in a horrible, guttural tone. Where's Delboy? Have you brought the three-wheeled van? I said, wittily. I assumed that he would love these brilliant references to the show he had appeared in for 20 years or whatever it was. Apparently, he doesn't appreciate them. Listen, I'm not in the mood for this. Please go and bother someone else. With that, he turned to go. Then, several things happened at once. Across the room, by the buffet, Jim Davidson lunged at Anthony Cotton, who had been eyeing a banana. <laughs> the beetroot-faced homophobe missed, however, and collided with Nick Park. Now, Nick might seem pretty passive, but he's got one hell of a temper when he's riled. Nick Park reached into his pockets, pulled out handfuls of plasticine, and proceeded to throw them at Jim Davidson's sweaty head. <laughs> Unfortunately, one of the clay missiles missed their target and hit Anthony Cotton square in the face, breaking his nose. In a desperate attempt to create some drama, someone in the crowd, I think it was Piers Morgan, shouted, Nick Park is a homophobe! Let's kill him! Stop! A deep, booming voice echoed across the room. Everybody turned to the karaoke stage. It was Trevor MacDonald. <laughs> if we fight like animals, he spoke softly now, but somehow everyone in the room could hear him. If we fight like animals, we die like animals. The whole room applauded, except for Piers Morgan, who moodily shoved one hand down his ass and picked at it. 
Once the applause had stopped, I turned around to find Nicholas Lindhurst bent forward, his head and knees pressed against the floor. A stray plasticine projectile had hit him. I noticed his trousers had fallen down a bit, and what I saw gave me chills. Lindhurst had a tiny vestigial tail, forked and red. My mind raced. Thoughts of all the times the character of Rodney, as played by Lindhurst, had feared Dullboy's son Damien was the Antichrist, and there was the man himself, obviously some kind of demon or devil. And that, dear reader, is the genuine truth behind Nicholas Lindhurst, or, should I say, Beelzebub. See why I don't like him now, George? That has got to surely be the most libelous anecdote anybody has ever fabricated for the purposes of an audiobook slash biography slash Okay, maybe the details aren't completely true. So maybe he didn't have a tale and isn't the second coming of Satan and all the rest maybe of it. Maybe not. Maybe, okay, right, maybe the story ended I think just after happened. he turned away. Maybe. I'm not, I can't say, obviously, but perhaps that story ended after Nicholas Lindhurst said, I'm not in the mood for this. Maybe the story ended there. And maybe that's the reason I hate him. Because he said, no, I don't want to talk to you, you, you child. I don't want to talk to a child but who it's loves not... me. I don't want to talk to a fan. But it's I not don't... that. It's that you went up to him and went, all right, Rodney, you brought the three-wheel van. Where's Del Boy? It's Uncle Albert falling down a hole again, you know. I didn't say that. I mentioned Del Boy and the three-wheel van. I didn't mention... I may have mentioned Grandad, but that's... I didn't mention Uncle Albert. No. Well, I don't think Nicholas Lindhurst, who, you know just for the record, is a nice man and a great actor. Very humble man. I don't think he appreciates people going up to him going, Hey, Rodney! Like that. So, I, I'm sorry, your your chapter has not swayed my view, and I do still think you rather irrationally um, attack one of, well, a national treasure and an institution, basically. Do you want me to publicly apologise to Nicholas Lindhurst? Is that what you're trying to I get me to do? I want a formal apology to Nicholas Lindhurst for, for all uh, previous attacks and a sort of get-out clause for any future ones that you may inadvertently launch in the heat of the moment. Well, I don't want a scandal, so I suppose I'd better do it. Mm. Nicholas Lindhurst, I, Paul Austin, uh, co-host of Crass, do uh, formally apologise for any distress... Uh, libel uh, I may have caused um, sorry soz um, I hope that's enough thank you so as you may or may not know uh, one of Telly Savalas's fingers was somewhat uh, deformed yes it was a little bit shorter than all of the others mm-hmm. yeah but I, I don't I can't remember if this is true but does Telly Savalas have earlobes <laughs> because in a, in on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Blofeld doesn't have earlobes. He's cut his earlobes off because he's trying to um, basically he's trying to give himself a title, and he's trying to claim that he is related to <laughs> noble a, a noble family. So he cuts his own earlobes off and has no earlobes, but. Watching it, I thought, did they write the no earlobes bit in to suit Tony Savalas, or 
Or, or was it some sort of makeup application to make his earlobes <laughs> smaller or something? But does Telly, if anyone knows, I'm genuinely. Stop, stop. Does Telly Savalas have earlobes? Yes. Is the best question anyone will ask on this show. <laughs> if anyone knows the answer, uh, the email address is crasspodcast at gmail.com. Does Telly Savalas have earlobes in real life? <laughs> Please tell us. We want to know. He didn't in that film, but I I just can't imagine it'd be easy to fake. <sighs> and to prove this, I I tried sellotaping my own earlobes <laughs> back before, but it didn't work. <laughs> so I don't. Oh know. my god. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, <laughs> that's that feature done. Um... <laughs> Lonely Hearts Club. Lonely Hearts Club. Right, well, I mean, to be honest, I'm just, Lonely Hearts Club was a bit long. It's been a bit thin on the ground with stories, because obviously... You're fucking I've, telling me. I've, I've won Damson's heart now, so... I mean, yeah, but for how long? I mean, well, yeah, for how long? I mean, don't worry. There's no, there's no chance of splitting up in this, no. this episode because we haven't. Uh, it's all going well. You'll see anyway. But basically, um, to be honest, George, I've kind of been laying low this week, mm. um, mainly because I mean, I don't know if you remember last time, but um, the uh, the rest of the Lonely Hearts Club are, are desperately trying to track down the person who's dating Damson, yeah. uh, a fellow uh, called Chester Barnes. Mm. Now, obviously, who is you? I'm Chester yes. Barnes because I gave her the fake. Obviously, I mean, this is all stuff we've gone over, but I thought I'd better give you the backstory. I'm Chester Barnes. No, I'm um, Chester Barnes. Well, no, no, I mean, that's very funny and everything, George, but it's not <laughs> fuck up the truth. So, anyway, I've been laying low this week uh, because Jimmy posted on the Lonely Hearts Club Facebook. Uh, they were going to start patrolling the streets with knives every night until about eleven. So I thought I'd better keep quiet. And and actually, I've been—I don't know if you can—you can tell from my voice, but I've been quite ill yeah. this last week. But I'm just thinking, if the Lonely Hearts Club are patrolling the street every night uh, until eleven, yeah, why have you laid low? You're part of the Lonely Hearts Club. Surely you'd be out on patrol. Well, that's why it's a good thing I've been ill. Because giving me a good excuse to stay in. Yeah, but I if... can't be. I really can't be fucked to patrol the streets every night. No, no. But what my point was that if you're out on patrol looking for you, you're the person who knows. You're the only person that knows it's you you're looking for as a group. Yeah. So there's no, no problem, is there really? To be honest, I mean, I can't really see what point you're making here, but I'll just, I'll just carry on. So on Monday, I just kind of titted around the house, played a bit of Minecraft, made eggy bread for dinner, you know, sort of thing you do when you're out, when you're hiding away from your mates, mm. you know. Uh, and then on Tuesday, I had a bath. Then on Wednesday, I decided to take down all the curtains in my house and give them a wash, just because I was a bit bored. Yeah. Uh, and then, but the thing is, by Thursday, I was, I was really, really bored. I'd, uh, I'd got a few beers in for the week, 30 or 40 or so, but now I'd finished every single one of them off. So I was drunk, bored, and lonely. Mm. So I decided to invite Damson round. Thought it'd be nice if I cooked a meal. Maybe we could watch a film, have a little cuddle, see where things go. Do you think that was a good idea, George? Well, no. If they're out on patrol, if the Lonely Hearts Club are on patrol, and they yeah. see the woman from White Shrouds going in your house, yeah, that's, that's Damson, bad. Her name's Damson. Yeah, but they don't George. know that, do they? 
No. Oh, true. actually, yeah, they do because you uh, dropped a bollock last week. To, you be, tell to be honest, George. To be honest, George, I don't think they picked up on that. No, they're not the brightest uh, group, are they? Not really. No. I thought it was a nice idea for invite around. I've got to see her. I still want to see her. I'm not letting the Lonely Hearts Club get in the way of my relationship. It's one of your okay? better moves. Yes. Thank you. Glad you think so. Mm. So I got her on the phone. She said she's at a loose end anyway, so she'd love to come over. And I say, um, right, great, get her for about seven. She says, yes. Uh, so I think, right, okay, better prepare a meal. Uh, problem is, only thing I've got in the house is eggs and biscuits. Mm. Uh, coconut rings from the Aldi. So I decided I'd better pop down the Waitrose, grab the ingredients to make some kind of animal-based pie, maybe get some sausages to start, and a big brick of jelly for afters. Uh, so I'm about to get into the Waitrose. Then, over the horizon, I could see two bulky figures and one small rat-like figure. Oh, no. You'll never guess who they are, George. It's the Lonely Hearts Club, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is actually. Well done. Yeah. You guessed right. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lonely Hearts Club. Ryan, Jimmy Gibbon and Barry Adams in full force. I can see, even from a distance, Ryan and Barry are carrying knives. And Jimmy Gibbon's got this big flaming torch. And they're, they're doing this, this chant. Lonely, lonely hearts, lonely hearts. The only boys to win your hearts. That's now, rubbish, to be honest, isn't it? I'm not impressed with it, <laughs> no. George. Because the only rhyme in their chant is hearts. With, with itself. With hearts, yeah. Fucking rubbish. Lonely hearts, lonely hearts, the only boys to win your hearts. So anyway, I desperately try and duck out of sight, but it's too late. Ryan's seen me. Mm. Look, boys, it's Paul. I am Paul. How's it going? Do you want to join our march? <laughs> no, Ryan, I'm all right. I'm feeling a bit, I'm still feeling a bit peaky, I say, kind of trying to hide my face. Mm. I look at Barry and he looks proper suspicious. He says, no. Come on, Paul, we'll march up to your house. Just make sure you get back, all right? Ooh. What, what can I do, George? I've got to let him, haven't I? Otherwise I'll get more suspicious. You could, just, so... you could just go, no, look, I've got a bit of shopping to do. Just carry on as you were. Fuck off. That's what I'd say. <laughs> well, that's why you haven't got any friends apart from me, George. So um... they march me straight back home, mm. all the way, still chanting... Lonely hearts, lonely hearts, the only boys to win your hearts. After a while, because it, it is pretty catchy, I start doing it as well. Lonely hearts, lonely hearts, the only boys to win your hearts. It's not, it's not that catchy. Well, you know, when it's when the mood takes you. Anyway, we get... we, we Yeah, what do they call it? De-individuation. The mob mentality. Well, you know, people talk about... People talk very negatively about that. But <laughs> if there's loads of people... <laughs> Who, who think the thing is great. How can they be wrong? Yeah. That's all I'll say. You know what? When you put it like that, <laughs> I change my opinion. Go on. So we get to the house and Barry says, I'm really thirsty, Paul. Would you mind if we came in? And I'm pretty reluctant, actually, to be honest, as you can imagine. Yeah. But I'm really conscious of the fact that Jimmy is looking at me with one of them faces that he does. So I say, right. Okay, then, you can come in for a bit, but my mum will be back later and she's got a terrible temper after the bingo. That was actually a clever lie, George, wasn't it? Because my mum wasn't at the bingo. She's been in Ibiza for a month. <laughs> so the boys all come in. I make two teas and a lem sit for myself and Jimmy because I'm still a bit ill and he just likes them. And then over <laughs> the next hour and a half, they polished off all my biscuits and all but one of my eggs. 
So I'm really annoyed. Yeah. Uh, they mentioned some shit about police inquiries at the local KFC. I'll keep my mouth shut, obviously. Obviously. Uh, and then they just bugger off without a word. Uh, on the way out, Jimmy turns, flashes me the look again. I smile, wave, and I think nothing of it. They've gone. I'm free at last. Thing is, it's now getting pretty close to seven. So instead of getting, you know, a fair bit of time to plan my date night, I've now only got about three minutes. Yeah. So uh, quickly stick a pan of water on the hob to boil, and I pick out a random film from my collection. Uh, and then the doorbell rings. I open the door, and there's Damson. My heart skips, skips, skips <laughs> a beat. She's got this dress on, but it barely covers her baps. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God almighty. <laughs> it, it, right, is that too strong? <laughs> It's staying in. Don't, don't <laughs> that's worry. fine, that's fine. Who is it, Chester? You're all right. Obviously, uh, she, she still thinks I'm called Chester. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Anyway, so I sit her down in the living room, make her an appetizer, and I slip into the kitchen to make dinner. Three minutes later, we're sharing a delicious boiled egg. That was lovely, Chester. You're boiling me an egg, she says. Cheers, Damson. I did have some biscuits, but they fell down a well. <laughs> See, that was another clever lie, George. Did you spot, did you spot <laughs> clever, the clever lie? lie? <laughs> yeah. Because we've all just yeah, got a well that the biscuits they... fall down, haven't we? <laughs> they, di- they didn't fall down a well. <laughs> so, anyway, I decided to stick the film on, and it's only now that I get a proper look at what I've grabbed, yeah. and it's Taking Stock, starring Kelly Brook, <laughs> <laughs> so, which is oh, the third okay. of it. But it's a film where Kelly Brook plays a woman, um, and she's, <laughs> Is that it? she's she works in a shop. <laughs> she works in a shop, but she wants to be like Bonnie and Clyde, mm. so she like robs the shop that she works at. Yeah. Anyway, maybe so, a yeah, better choice would have been Battleship Potemkin or something like that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I've not heard of that film, but it no. sounds good. So we're killed up uh, together on the sofa, watching Kelly Brook being all cheeky and sexy, when suddenly something is stirring. There's movement down there. Oh, no. Something starts rising. Jimmy Gibbon bursts out from under the sofa, covered in crumbs and filth, because I've not cleaned under there in years. Yeah. <laughs> you stole the woman from White House from me, filthy turncoat! So I think fast. I think fast. Who are you? What are you doing in my house? I say. Mm. Don't play games with me, Paul! <laughs> oh, no. really... He's, she's really confused by all this. Yep. She says, what are, you, what are you doing here? Who's Paul? Because obviously she used to date Jimmy Gibbon. Yeah. I mean, for like a day. Mm. But she does know him. But he said my name. He's called me Paul. Yeah. In fact, he goes, that's Paul there! And he points to me. And to be honest, George, I mean, things are looking bleak. Yeah, just a bit. But then I think, I think even faster... And I say, I'm not Paul, I'm Chester Barnes. Uh, Jimmy's eyes sort of narrow. Mm. I don't believe you! Damson steps in. He is, he told me, his name is Chester Barnes. <laughs> Jimmy looks proper confused now, and it looks like his head might explode. You can, scale, you can see, like, the gears turning. Yeah. But finally, he says, All right, I must have got the wrong ass. Sorry, mate. And he leaves. Head bowed low in shame. Good. So I forgot I got out of that one, didn't I, George? Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, me and Damson finished watching the film. She gives me a little kiss, uh, but I didn't get me end away because she had to go and feed her pigeons. So, um, 
Yeah. Oh, dear. Overall, I think that was quite a successful date night. You mentioned telly, telly Savalas. Yes. Have it's, you got... Um... It's that time of, of the week, isn't it, where <laughs> I ask you to telly me what you've been watching this week. Great. Well, George, yes. I've been watching a lot of catchphrase on Challenge, <laughs> the best channel there is. Uh, you know, stuff with Roy, you know, Roy Walker. Obviously, I'd sit and stay for that. Yeah, the glory days of catchphrase. Glory. Say what? Hey, say what you see there. That's what he says. But not like that. Anyway, I mean, hang on. I, I've got something. I did. Is it just me? Did Morrissey ever host Catchphrase? No. Or was that? Did I just dream that? I think you dreamt that. There was no episode of Catchphrase where Morrissey hosted. No. For some reason, that is so clear in my head. Anyway, that's not relevant. But I've been watching Catchphrase, and obviously, Catchphrase is great because, like, it's like the easiest game game show in the world. It's really easy. Mm. Yeah. But for some reason, it's never that easy for the contestants. No, they they never get it right, do they? And the thing is, they go in, like, when they make a guess, they don't even, like, list, name an actual catchphrase. You'd think no. they'd sort of, they'd go, all right, well, that's, I'll do, I'm not sure what it is, but I'll say a phrase anyway. I'll say a real phrase in case it's that, that's loosely linked to that. But no, they'll just go, they'll see, like, uh, well, I don't know, they'll see a cloud with a silver lining. And they'll go, great cloud, great cloud. It's good, it's not the one. <laughs> it's a good answer, but it's not white. I'm sure he did say at some point, it's good, but it's not right. But he used the one he said more was, it's good, but it's not the one. No, you're probably right, yeah. It's good, but it's not the one. Anyway, it's a great The thing show. that really bugs me about catchphrase... Yes. Um, ...is that none of them are catchphrases. They're idioms. It's never, I'm free, Rodney, you plonker, you know. Damn, I wish I thought of that. I would have changed this feature a bit. <laughs> It's ne- the name's Bond, James Bond. It's never any catchphrases like that. It's always, it's always either an idiom, or just like a a national holiday or something like that. Is it, is it bonfire night? Right. They did used to do, didn't they? They had like t- movie titles. What they had Pulp yeah. Fiction. I guess Pulp Fiction is the thing outside yeah, it, of the it film. Was a f- you suppose it was a phrase before the film. But, but they have. I'm sure they've had films and plays in the past. Yeah, but it's it's they're never catchphrases. No. Well, I'll I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. But the thing, what I thought it might be fun if we played catchphrase. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this doesn't really work over the podcast because <laughs> <laughs> I've what I've done. I'm going to turn my video on because obviously, I mean, letting them behind the curtain a bit here is we actually yeah. record this show separately on Skype. But I've actually done some some catchphrases, and I wish I'd made them actual catchphrases now. But no, these are all idioms, the sort yep. you would see on catchphrase. Well, I, I... Okay, so I'm just going to show you one of the pictures I've drawn. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to guess what the catchphrase is. Okay, I think I've got the, I think I've got this right. So what it might be a good idea for you to do is to describe the drawing out loud to the listeners and then yes. have a guess. And then have a guess. Right. Okay. Okay, number one. Right, so it's a drawing of a face with the words, the music, uh, written next to it. That's so good, though, I'm going to guess it's face the music. Oh, well done, George. You're right. It's face the music, as it says on the back there. Do you think this is good? Does this work on the podcast? Um, probably not. No. Right. We'll, we'll find out. Matter. Don't matter. Right. So, I mean, I've sort of done this one already. Yeah. But uh, here we go. <laughs> 
So this is a drawing of a cloud with um, basically an, a, a second outer uh, outline around the perimeter of the cloud. Correct. You've got an arrow pointing to the cloud saying cloud, and you've got an arrow pointing to the silvery outline with silver lining on it. So I'm going to guess that every cloud has a silver lining. I mean, close, but I just I just wrote up the garden path. <laughs> 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 so you got that one wrong. Um, well, no, I got it right. You wrote it down wrong. No, it's never mind. No, I was wrong. No. Right. Okay. Okay. This is this, this is the third one, penultimate one. There you go. <laughs> so you've got the words a bird in the, then a arrow pointing to a drawing of a hand, then the words is worth two in the. And a drawing of a tree with an arrow next to it with bush written down. So what so is it? The obvious answer would be a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. But based on the the last one, uh, I'm going to guess that it's something completely different. So I'm going to guess laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, you're wrong. It's actually uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney. <laughs> Right, last one, last one. Come on, you, okay. you're two down. I think you're two down. If you can get this, at least you can make it even. Right, this is a two-parter actually. So there's the first one. So it's a hand holding a needle and sort of poking it towards a purple lizard of some sort. Did you say that was an accurate description? Yeah, although actually I think the colour is supposed to be pink. Pink. All right. Okay. And then here's the second part. And now the the pink lizard has burst. Now the pin has popped it. Sort of like a balloon would do. Correct. So my guess would be uh, average white band pick up the pieces. No, it's actually uh, popping the pink lizard. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a fun game, I think. I think, I think, I think, I mean, catchphrase is always good value. But I think, do you know what, after... Yeah. In hindsight, I wish I'd just done actual catchphrases. I'm the only gay yeah. in the village. <laughs> they don't like it up. Um, I think that would have been good. So maybe yeah. next week... Don't tell him, Pike. Maybe next week I'll do some catchphrases that are actual catchphrases. You for don't tell him, Pike, you could do a, a fish with a speech <laughs> bubble. With nothing in the speech bubble, just a speech bubble coming out of the fish's mouth. And then a sort of a no-entry sort of sign superimposed over the top of it. <laughs> And that it could be Don't Tell Him Pike. That would be good. <laughs> you could what do another you row of fish with swastikas all over them for the Nazi fish. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What if what if we did a version of Catchphrase where instead of having actual pictures, put this on the telly, obviously, instead of having pictures, just have like Roy Walker explaining what the picture is. <laughs> and you've got... <laughs> That was good. That's I think that's brilliant. a good. I think that's a good idea for a show. I think that is a brilliant idea. <laughs> well, that was good. That's a, that was a good feature. Yeah. Finally, no, I, I like that. Tell me what you've been watching on. What is it called again? On telly this week. <laughs> Finally, that feature has come into its own. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way. I like the way. Consistently throughout this series of podcasts, we end features with. That's it. And. <laughs> Got anything else? <laughs> Next bit. <laughs> Next bit. <laughs>
<laughs> it's like a little catchphrase. It's great. Next bit. So I have a question for you. Yes. And that is, how do you get up in the morning? How do you wake up? Um, if I need to be somewhere, I will set an alarm on my phone. Mm. If I don't need to be somewhere, I will let nature decide when to wake me up. Whether that be uh, nine o'clock in the morning or two in the afternoon, I will get up when my body tells me to get up if I don't need to be anywhere. So when you set an alarm, what do mm -hmm. you have as your alarm? Um, one of the Apple-owned Apple, Apple -owned alarms. So it'll be like the one that goes... Well, do you know what I have for my... <laughs> so it'll be like that. Yeah. I, I had a multi-alarm system set up. Um, <laughs> the trifecta of mobile phone, radio coming on, and television coming on. I see. But my television doesn't work anymore, so... Oh. So he's been re <laughs> it's been replaced with the dog coming in. Hang on, sorry. Did you just refer to your television as a he? <laughs> May have done. I was going to trim that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Has he got a name? Cyril. Um, no, the, the, in order to maintain the trifecta, the, the television, yeah. he's been replaced uh, with my dog coming in and uh, licking my teeth. That wakes me up. <laughs> oh, that's vile. It is, it, it's, it is, but it wakes you up. If not, just to go... Like that. But, <laughs> it works. Oh, well, yeah, I guess it works. But what it what it used to be, it would be the the cacophony of, of sound would be unpleasant, and so you would yeah. turn off two of the alarms and then sit up and listen to the radio or yeah. sit up and watch the telly. Uh, so... My phone alarm is this. Oh, quite groovy. Nice. What's that from? That's uh, The Name of the Game by ABBA, which yeah. is my sixth favourite ABBA song. Um, is it? That was a top ten list that I just didn't get around to doing. But, yeah, so I have that because people often say, oh, well, the song you use as your alarm gets annoying and you get sick of it. But it's yeah. not the case with that. It's always... No, okay happy sound. Sometimes I'll turn the TV and the radio off just to listen to the name of the game. Name of the game. But, Fair enough. Uh, the TV it's usually BBC Breakfast and that's the first to get switched off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, it's the radio that sticks around and uh -huh. this is, it's programmed to Radio 2 which, you know, says a lot about me, I think. You're old. After the name of the game's gone off breakfast has gone off or the dog has been shooed away this is what I will hear. I see. So the Chris Evans breakfast show. Yes. But I what's see. missing there from the jingle is Chris Evans joining in with the singing. <laughs> Great, so brilliant. If I just do that again, I'm going to indulge <laughs> just for a second. Fuck me. So it's, it sounds something a bit more like this. Yeah. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Can I change my answer to which three celebrities I'd kill? <laughs> no, it's too late now. But no. yeah, um, so that's usually the start. But it got me thinking about um, well, jingles in general. Yeah. I think it's fine. We don't have that many jingles on this podcast. We've got no. one for eBay adventures. <laughs> but other than that, we don't really... I, I would like to... That's something to consider for Series 2. More jingles. I think so. What's More fun, jingles. What I'm thinking, though... If we're doing a podcast and we need a stupid jingle, it's fine for one of us to sing a stupid jingle. Yeah. But what about those people who, for a living, have to sit in a booth and sing <laughs> Radio 2, like that, or whatever? Do you not um, feel for them? Jules, they don't sit there every day and do it every no, time. Be, it's I know they don't do it live. I it's just pre-recorded. Mean... <laughs> yeah, but... They do it once, then it gets played repeatedly. Yes, but no, my point was more... <laughs> That they, you know, probably started out wanting to be a big singer. They might Maybe. want to be the next Stevie Winwood or Stevie Nicks or whatever. And then <laughs> they have to. Someone called Stevie. Someone called Stevie. Other names are available. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, they end up doing stuff like this. But, they, you know, they have to sing Ken Bruce or Jeremy Vine yeah. or what have you. I mean, I, the gospel choir for Chris Evans is fine, but... To be honest, George, I think they probably do other things. They don't just do the jingles. They might have a band on the side. Yeah. An unsuccessful one, obviously, some shit pub band. Maybe. But it's still a band. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose. Do you want to hear what might be my favourite uh, Radio 2 jingle? Of course I do. Of course you do. Why wouldn't you want to hear this? Uh, this is for the uh, the music-based quiz that Ken Bruce does every day. Popmaster! Uh, and this is the Popmaster jingle. Brilliant. Wow, I mean, we were talking about Armando Iannucci last week. Yes. <laughs> that really sounds like something from the day-to-day, -day, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> but then, you, what you have then is you have these some often ridiculous jingles. You know, yeah. let's, say, let's say Ken Bruce's show comes on. I mean, I know mm -hmm. in the clip I played, uh, you only heard the jingle, but usually that will be followed by, Good morning, this is Ken Bruce on BBC Radio 2. And then <laughs> what he will say is, he'll say something like, uh, coming up in a minute, we've got some... I think of a Radio 2 band that they sort of play. Edwin Collins, he's... Yeah. <laughs> coming up, we've got some Edwin Collins and a bit of Chris Rear, but first, here's Steve Harley and Courtney Rebel. Make me smile, come up and see me. And he'll play that. <laughs> and that's really what I want to talk about. Okay. Are, are you familiar with Steve Harley and Courtney Rebel's Make Me Smile? Yeah. To those who aren't, it goes a bit like this. That's enough of that. Yeah. Uh, 
It's got the. It, it goes. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, that it does one. that quite a bit as well. But do you not how, like that song? It's not so much that I dislike it. It's I was. It was Sunday morning. My radio came on, and that was playing on Radio Two, and it just yeah. got me to thinking that for twenty-two years, for my whole life, I have associated that song with BBC Radio Two because it's <laughs> the only song that they have in their library. I'm convinced. That that's the 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 CD they've got has got Road to Hell by Chris Rea, um, yeah. Can You Feel It, and that, and th- those yeah. are the three tracks they just play over and over again. Um, now that's what I call Radio Two. Yeah, <laughs> how, I mean, my question to you really is: How familiar are you with Radio Two? Are you familiar um, enough to agree with my assessment? Yeah, I've listened to it in the car uh, with my dad. Um, and yeah, that's pretty fair. I would say I'm pretty sure I've heard all three of those yeah. every time I've been in the it car. It just with seems him. to be the way. Every time it's switched on, it's yeah, you're right. That, and I don't have a problem with that. But for years, I did, and I was a bit snobby about it. But on Sunday morning, when that was playing, I just I was listening to thinking it's it's a good song. Maybe I've judged <laughs> it a bit harshly. However, I have made some notes. These okay. are some thoughts I've had listening to it. Um, it finishes seven times. With six <laughs> false endings. Yeah, I know what you mean, actually. It has six false endings, and then when it eventually does end, it fades out. So it's, it's got all these abrupt halts, and then a guitar solo, or abrupt halts, yeah. and then... Ba, 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 and then all of that, and then it just fades yeah. out at the end. I have nothing against the fade out, but yeah, it seems like a mean. missed opportunity. But because it does that... Um, yeah. I was thinking I'd quite like to make a version that just never ends. <laughs> it goes on forever. It just keeps doing It'll it forever. Kind of like an art project. Yeah. <laughs> Have it playing forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could <laughs> really work. Um, some other notes I made. Uh, I've no idea what it's about. I've no idea what the lyrics are about. I, I mean, I've read up what it's about. It's apparently about when uh, the original lineup of Cockney Rebels split up. But... <laughs> You know, but I don't, you know, I don't, it doesn't come across when you read the lyrics, which I will do. Uh, I won't read all of them, obviously. We, you know, I've got lives to lead, but I'll read some of them. Yeah. You've done it all. You've broken every code and pulled the rebel to the floor. Right, does that mean anything to you? Well, it's not literally. It's, I suppose he's talking about, if he's talking about the band, hey, you did a lot of cool shit. Um,. You know, remember that. You spoilt the game, no matter what you say, for only metal, what a bore. Oh, yeah, well... Blue eyes, blue eyes, how come you tell so many lies? Does that sound bitter to you, this guy? Yeah, maybe a little bit bitter. I was reading, he was bitter about uh, the band breaking up because when they originally formed, he basically said to them, I'm Steve Harley, this is my band, I'm writing the songs, you're just my musicians. And yeah. I think after about two albums, they got a bit pissed off with that and left. Well, naturally. And so he seemed bitter about the fact that he can't boss about his band anymore. Gosh, he's like a right git, doesn't he? Yeah. Bit ch- well, just to add to that, uh, he got a speeding ticket in 2008 or something like that. And right. the Top Gear boys uh, campaigned oh. to make that song number one so that he could pay oh, his Of course it is. Point. So... I mean, I'm not saying he is a git. They'd love it if everyone sped around and killed each other, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. They'd love it. Um, Especially if they were, like, gay or foreign. 
There's Great. nothing left. All gone and run away. What's that all about? All um, gone and run away. That's like how he says it, isn't it? Yeah. And then it yeah. pauses for ages. <laughs> Ooh, la, la, la. And it goes on like la, that. La, la. But yeah, I just I just um, wondered if any of those lyrics meant anything to you. No, nothing. It's, a, it's an upbeat song, though, isn't it, George? Yeah, no, it's likeable. I, I didn't like it for years, but I've got over that. But yeah. I still have these questions. Uh, did they have any other hits? That's my other question. No. Apparently so. I, I'm just oh. not familiar with them. And the final question I have, who is, stroke, are the Cockney Rebel? Is it one person? Is it... Oh. I know, obviously, it's the name of his band, but why? I'll say who it is. Stellboy. Yes, although it predates Only Fools and Horses by... By the way, I've got something to... I mean, this is going back a bit now, but um, in our in our episode about Nicholas Lindhurst, yeah. you claimed that he was a real Cockney. He's actually from mm-hmm. Hampshire. I said I thought he was a real Cockney. So, obviously, I was right about that. Um, next. Well, no, you, you said it in quite a derisive tone, though. If I remember, you said something like... Yeah, he's not a proper Cockney, though, is he? Like that. He's like not. He was, he's not. He's from Hampshire. Like someone like, you know, like Danny Dyer, who's clearly, you know, putting it on. He was playing a, a Cockney 20-year-old in Only Fools and Horses. I don't think he went about pretending to be a Cockney like people like Danny Dyer do, or uh, name some other false Cockneys. Fake Cockney. The Cockney Rebel. Them. <laughs> them. <laughs> not, even, not even real. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. That's it. Do you think you'll ever come round to Teenage Kicks? No, that is the worst thing ever recorded. <laughs> ever. Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to agree to disagree. It's terrible. What, what, why? What's worse than Teenage <laughs> I'm not, Kicks? I don't want to go on about Teenage Kicks. What's worse kicks, than Teenage Kicks? I'm, not I'm just this... trying to end the feature. I'm not I'm letting the feature end, the feature end feature. until you tell me what is worse than that. Tiger Feet? Tiger Feet's fucking terrible, but Teenage Kicks is just so contemptible. Okay, alright. George, um, I mean, we've been away for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you know if you've had any correspondence while we've been well, away? It's interesting you mention this because. It is we... interesting that I mention this. Yeah, it's almost as if uh, this has been <laughs> planned out in some way. It's, it's almost like that! It's almost but not like quite. that, but it's not. It's not like that. Um, the, well, the rest of it doesn't sort of <laughs> Go know, with it. bolster that theory. Uh, <laughs> yes, we got an email. Um, mm-hmm. We got an email from someone called Rod Syringe. <laughs> Good old Rod. He's, Who, a big, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big fan of the Crass podcast. He is. You can tell through his sort of warm, loving words, which were sent on my birthday. At, uh, oh, it was like a nice birthday. Had he sort of, yeah. he done a bit of research and he found out. Maybe, oh, I love yeah. George from the podcast. I mean, his voice is annoying, but I do love him. Yeah. When when's his birthday? I'll send him a happy birthday message. Was it was it something along those lines? Not quite. No, uh, he didn't no. didn't hold back. This is an email. Um, the subject was your shitty podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it reads. <coughs> Oi, crass twats. Just caught a bit of your shitty podcasts. What the fucking hell is this shite? I mean, he's got a point. It is a shitty podcast. (laughs) 
middle class brummy wanker chat shit Hang with on. his fucking A up. I'm reet northern I am lower class cunt, mate. What else is fucking new, eh? Uh, all right, well, I mean, I, I thought I liked his first paragraph, but <laughs> I'm not middle class. Nothing, mm. nothing, ab- I'm not middle class, nothing about. Of what? So I live near a Waitrose and that makes me middle class. <laughs> I'm not a brummy either. I'm not, I'm not from Birmingham. I'm not a brummy. See, I hang about with a few of them, but it doesn't make me one. See, Rod Syringe here, he won over my sympathies until he called me a fucking A up and Reet Northern. I am lower class cunt, mate. Also, yeah, also, because like you're Northern, sidekick. he assumes you're lower class. Well, he assumes I'm your sidekick, which is, you know, <laughs> just as insulting, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I hadn't even thought about the fact that you were addressed as my sidekick. <laughs> Rod <sighs> continues. Seriously, lads, you need to pull your fucking fingers out and try a bit harder. And then, well, to, I mean, inexplicably, he's not, he's not wrong there. No, he's not. He's he's back on point now. But inexplicably, he's included an emoji of Mecca, <laughs> which I've no idea the why Mecca that's emoji. there. Mecca makes an appearance. Not the bingo, the, uh, you know... No. The, the Islamic pilgrimage site. Um, who still gives a fook about Roger Kilroy's... <laughs> <laughs> who still gives a fook about Roger Kilroy's silk or, or now Ledman's N-O-W-L, who spelled it? So he mentioned he didn't mention the chocolate voice slaphead sex machine Telly Zavallus. No, no, uh, Telly didn't get a mention. No. The one thing I will note about those names is that we we mention them in very in separate episodes of the podcast. Yes. So his like, claim that he list, he caught a bit of it, a bit of one, <laughs> is false. Yeah, it's got to be false because it doesn't stand up. I mean, well, he mentioned no. Mr. and Mrs. as well, which we did in the the last episode. Yeah. So Another you mentioned sort of episode three, six, and ten. I've just just caught a bit of your shitty podcast. Hmm. It's caught a bit more than that. So, so so something isn't quite adding up about Rod Syringe no. at the moment. If you want to do a decent radio show, put some fucking effort in. Well, it's not a radio show, Rod. It's a podcast. Yeah. Anyone can do. Yeah, that's that's why it's this bad. Yeah. You know, two monkeys with a microphone each could do it. <laughs> exactly. You could do one, Rod. You could do one. Yeah. Well, Rod concludes, fuck you up the shitters, Rod Syringe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your email, Rod. Um, I Cheers, mean, I'm Rod. assuming you'll be listening to this. Um, yeah, I'm also assuming that actually you, you, you're not like that. You, you, I mean, that was a joke, wasn't it, that email, Rod? Well, I'm assuming. I looked, I, I did a bit of digging and I looked on his Google Plus page and his okay. profile picture is a really bad Photoshop of Rod Stewart in a garden centre. <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, his description says that he works in a garden centre followed by Brexit means Brexit. <laughs> That's what he's got as his uh, bio. It's beginning to look a lot like, like Brexit. Brexit. Yeah, Rod. I mean, you, you. I mean, obviously, you've you've thought you've been funny, and you tr- you're kind of playing into the kind of whole 
uh, crappy, shitty aesthetic we've got in the podcast. You kind of you, you're going, oh no, I've got a good idea. I'll I'll write them an awful, hateful email, which would have been funny. Um, yeah. But the fact that you called me middle class and a brummy has has made me totally. Uh, it's taken me totally out of it. I don't. I hate it. I hate what you've done, Rod. Never email us again. <laughs> No, I do not actually that... do. Do email us again. See what happens. See what happens, say, Rod. Because I was going to say, saying don't email us again is an invitation if he's listening. You know. Oh, yeah. Just do what you want, Rod. Do what you want. I'm not your mum. Thanks for your email. Yeah. Cheers, Rod. Cheers, Rod. Rod Wherever you are. Rod Have a good Christmas. <laughs> oh, what a load of great moments from Crass, George. Yes, absolutely hilarious. And uh, maybe you're interested to see, has Rod Syringe been in touch again? Well, bizarrely, yeah. he has. He sent wow. us another email. It's uh, a much shorter email this time. It just says, still cunts. Not as good as your first email, Rod. No. Raise your game, mate. Yeah. I actually emailed back... Um, did you? But I won't say. Oh yeah, I won't say what I said though, because it's that's a bit offensive. Um, so yeah, listeners, that's that's some of the best moments of Crass. Do you think that the modern that Crass now lives up to that, or do you think we've do you think we've spiralled a bit? Do you think we've got better? Um, if you do, keep your opinions to yourself, especially um, if you're Rod Syringe, because we couldn't give a flying toss what you have to say. Nope. At that time. Fuck off, Syringe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so should we do that's it? Yeah. Bye. Bye. Should we do in the usual sign off? Oh, yeah, we, we the... may as well. May as well. Oh, we, I'll tell you what we could do. We could use we could include a bit from another podcast where we signed off. Just get extra. Don't make lazy. more work Just include, for me. No, literally... we'll do it now. <sighs> All right, fine, us. fine. I'll I'll do your I'll do it your way, shall I? <laughs> I mean if you could, that'd be lovely. Bye. <laughs> Bye, listeners. <laughs> you're 48 and you're having one night stands. So you've done a podcast, it's run quite long, and now you've got to end it. Well, that's it. Cheers, George. Thank um, you. Where can they find? Where can the listeners find you on the internet? I'm also on Twitter at Bumbledoon. That's Bumble D O O N. And also the podcast is on Twitter. Uh, what's the What's the Twitter one? At the Crass Podcast. Oh, cheers, George. Uh, and you can also send us emails, uh, crasspodcast at gmail dot com. All right. Well, cheers. Thanks, Thank you, George. See ya. Uh, have a good one. And you. See ya. Bye. Right. Bye. 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 Take care of yourselves. Thank you.